And so as we get into the message this morning, I, I have one, one more thing. I, you know, I've been on staff here for uh, four years, four, four and a half years almost, and uh, there's only been one time before I was on staff that this person has actually heard me preach in person. And this morning I have the privilege of having my mom in the building. A couple, a couple of um, months ago, I had the chance to preach in Chantilly on a Sunday. It was the first time I got to preach in front of Bishop Brad and Pastor Jim and all of our lead pastors were all in the front row, and I was super nervous. I think I might be more nervous this morning. <laughs> my mom listens to every sermon, and she always calls me after every sermon. And she is my, my, my greatest, like, a proponent, and she pushes me, but she's also my, my greatest critic as well. <laughs> it is good. It is good. My mom has raised me uh, in the Lord. Um, she's done a really good job. I have a twin brother who's also a pastor as well, and so um, she is a wonderful woman of God. If you see her today, give her a high five and a hug. Uh, her name is Diane. She's amazing. So um, anyway, uh, my wife's here, too. I don't want to slight her. She's amazing. Here you go. There you go. They have a good relationship, too. So, so um, they do team up on me, keep me in, keep me in line. So, um, so we're on a, a series um, about our mission. And as you heard, uh, Pablo and Jocelyn talk about our mission to encounter Christ, to experience community, to extend the kingdom. So today, um, as Pastor Eddie had, has preached on Encounter Christ and two powerful messages, I, w- I would recommend going back and listening to those. I get the privilege of talking about experiencing community, and that's my jam. I love community. I love relationships, and so I love that I get an opportunity to talk about it here this morning. You know, have you ever been in a situation where you realize that you didn't know that you needed something until you had it. And then once you had it, you recognized that you really needed it and you can't live without it. I remember when I first got my license and I got my freedom. You guys know what it's like. You know, you didn't know you needed your license until you got your license. And then you could just leave when you wanted to leave. When I got my first smartphone, that was amazing, right? I'm not talking iPhones or Androids. I'm just saying smartphone just so we can keep it civil in the building. I got my mom in the room, so I, like, like, I didn't know that I needed a home-cooked meal, you know, until I went home and I, I got that home-cooked meal and I tasted it and I was like, man, I need this in my life. Or maybe it's sleep for some of us, right, you know, when we're working a lot and you don't know you need sleep until you get sleep and then you realize I needed sleep and I got to have it. For me, it's Amazon Prime, you know, Amazon Prime. <laughs> I've talked about it a lot. Amazon Prime is amazing. You don't, you don't know that you need Amazon until you have two days to get something that you really can't get anywhere else and you can just go to a click of a button and you probably don't need the thing that you're searching for, but the fact that you can just go to a website and say, I want this and I want it now and they will deliver it in two days. It is an amazing thing. I don't even know how life exists without Amazon Prime and I did not know that I needed it until I got it and now that I have it, I know that I need it. This is what I'm talking about today. 
There's, there's something, or really rather someone, that we all need in our lives. And that's, that's God, right? We're, we're, everybody can say amen to that. We all need God in our life. But our experience of him is mostly felt within relationships and community. And I believe that in order for us to really know God deeply, we need to be established in strong biblical relationships and in his community. Family, we need community. My life was, was drastically and radically uh, changed on the campus in an instant. God called me out of darkness on the campus. But it was God's people that he surrounded me with that encouraged me and challenged me and inspired me to continually walk with the Lord and to worship him. I am a living testimony, family, of how God's people can help you not only see God more clearly, but actually push you into your purpose and push you to know him more. I didn't know that I needed it until I needed it. And when I got it, man, family, I needed community. I need community. I will always need community. And some of us here don't even know that you need community because you haven't actually experienced it yet. But I'm here to encourage you today that if you, if you would allow the community of God to, to come into your life and to help you and to, to push you and to encourage you, it will impact your life in ways that you've never imagined. You need the experience. You need to experience the community more fully to experience God more fully. And that's going to be my encouragement to you all today, this morning. Our need for community. I got three points, as a good pastor would do. Got three points this morning. Community designed, community distorted, and community desired. Uh, we're going to read today from Romans 12, verses 3 through 5. So let's go ahead and stand, as is our custom, but in reverence to uh, God's word. And let's read this together. It says this it's together. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with faith God distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and those members do not all... So in Christ we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word to us today. God, my prayer this morning is that everyone would be encouraged by not only your pursuit of them, but they would be encouraged to pursue you and to pursue others. God, help us today to, to see you rightly, to see ourselves rightly, and to see others rightly. God, change us today. Transform us today. Speak through me today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 You may be seated. <clears throat> Romans 12 is one of my favorite passages or uh, chapters in the Bible. I love it. But what's significant about verses 3 through 5 here? Uh, and specifically verse 3, as it presents a shift in what Paul is talking about. Well, actually, Romans 12 itself presents a shift because Paul spends 
11 chapters talking about how amazing God is, who God is and what God has done for us. And in Romans 12, he shifts and he, and he says, in view of all the things that God has done and give your life to him, that is just reasonable for all of us to do is to worship God. And if you worship him, he will renew you and he will transform you. And those are verses 1 and 2 of Romans 12. So he spends two verses talking about worshiping God and then he spends the rest of chapter 12 and the rest of chapter 13 and the rest of chapter 14. And the rest of chapter 15 and 16, 116 verses, Paul spends talking about not just worshiping God, but worshiping God by relating to his people and being into community. And this really gives us, and it gives me, a very clear picture of how important community is for God. And think about it, if if community wasn't important, I think Paul wouldn't have been inspired to write past verses 1 and 2, but But God gives them inspiration to say, look, I need my people to really relate to each other well. That's how the world is going to know me is through their unity and through their relationship. And I just need you to to help them to see it. And so he writes these 116 verses to help us, starting with verse 3. Community is important to God. Community is important. Listen, there's so many verses in the Bible that I could could talk. I don't really have that that kind of time to go through it. But you you all know Jesus didn't walk alone. Jesus walked with the 12. He walked in community. I look at, I look at David in, in the Bible, and he had a relationship with, with this guy, Jonathan, that's a beautiful friendship and relationship. But you also see David with his, his mighty men in the Bible. And you see David in the cave, but you also see like the other lost and hurting people and wounded people coming into the cave with him. He was surrounded and in community. Community is important. You see Moses, as we're walking back through the Bible, you see Moses not, not just called alone to go get his people. Moses is called with his brother, Aaron, together. They're called in community to go redeem and save community. And community is significant and important to God. God calls Abraham, Abram, in the moment, calls him out of pagan worship and calls him to be his community and his people. But he doesn't call him alone. He calls him with his family. He calls him with his nephew. He's calling him his community, but he's calling him with community. Community is significant to God, family. If you still don't get how important community is, we can go back to the very beginning. Like Pastor JC does, Genesis 1-1. He'll preach that for the next 27 years. <laughs> the Trinity is in the beginning. I mean, it's in the beginning. Like, it's Genesis 1 and 3, 1 and 1 through 3. It's, it's there, the Father, the Creator, the Spirit is, is hovering over the darkness. And it says that, and he says, and he, and he said, let there be light. I mean, that's, that's the Word. That is the Word who was in the beginning. That's Jesus. He's, he's sending him. That's the Trinity at work in the beginning. And he goes on to talk about this, this, this perfect community that's in unity and harmony and he says in Genesis 1:26, let us, you hear that? Us. Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. There's an us that this perfect community, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit in action, 
And out of that perfect community, God creates man in his image to be like him. We are created to be like God, to represent him, to reflect his attributes in so many ways. But in one of those ways that we are to reflect and we are created to be is to be relational and to be in community just as he is. We are designed to be in community with God. And not only are we designed to be in community with God, family, we are designed to be in community with each other. I'll keep going. Genesis 2, 18 says this. Again, it's God has created everything. And after everything, God has said that everything is good. He created man and it was good. He created Light in the day and the darkness and the night, and it was good. The sun, the moon, the seas, everything is good. The animals, it's good. And he gets here and he says, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a suitable, a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground these wild animals and the birds in the sky, and he brought them to the man to see where he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was his name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs, and he closed up the place with flesh. And the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he took, and he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. And the man said, this is the bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. For she was taken out of man. And that is why a man leaves his father and a mother and is united to his wife. And they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked. As I would say, where I'm from, naked. And they felt no shame. It's the first time God said that something wasn't good. What wasn't good was that man was alone. It wasn't that man was lonely. It was that man was alone. Because Adam had, he had God as his best friend. He had the animals. I mean, he is, he is, I'm trying to think of the movie where the guy talks to the animals, but he, he's, he's with the animals. <laughs> Dr. Doolittle is what it is. Yeah, he's Dr. Doolittle, man. He's with the animals. He's got best friends all around. But there was something missing in the life of Adam that God recognized didn't reflect the fullness of his image and the life that God had designed for him. He had created Adam to be in community, but he had no community. So he created a community for him. He created a family for him. He created a relationship for him, this beautiful and wonderfully and uniquely made woman named Eve. Man, did you think that Adam wasn't happy? That was one of those moments where you didn't know that you needed something until you got something. And then once you got something, you know that you needed it and you needed to keep it. That's, that's what Adam, and Adam was like, whoa, man. That was a little dad joke for y'all right there. <laughs> so listen, man, we, we, were, we were created for community. We were designed for it. We're unfulfilled without it. And I've been wrestling with this, um, with my own self-professed uh, personality type as I've been working on this message. I've been professing that I'm an introvert for years. I've always said that I'm an introvert. Any introverts in the house? Yeah, y'all, everybody. Everybody's an introvert. Okay. Wow. Well, this might hit home then. Here we go. An introvert is basically somebody who's, a, you know, 
typically a quiet and reserved person who likes to be introspective and, and prefers to be alone, prefers spending time by themselves. <laughs> and look, there's nothing wrong with that. But how do I walk that out biblically? Am I walking it out in truth or have I diverted from the truth? Because here's the truth. We were designed to be in community and to relate with people. And I think the deceptive thought or the lie that I tell myself is I love people, but I just don't like them very much. (laughs) I'm better better off alone. That's where I find my energy. You ever heard anybody say that? That's where I find my energy. But it's so clever by the enemy because it's deceptive. It's a deceptive thought that, that leads to not just being alone, but it leads to us being lonely. And then loneliness leads to isolation. And isolation leads to depression. And then depression many times leads us to darkness. And that's not how we were designed. We've been deceived. And the truth about God and relationships have been distorted for us. And we've allowed our, our personality types now to become the power that places value on people and prioritizes their placement in our life. How does that happen? It shouldn't be. God and his word should be the guiding force for us that determines how we prioritize people in our life. He's the one that places value on a person. He's the one that values them because not only did God create us in his image, but then he, in our sin, he didn't leave us there. He came back for us. He lived for us. He died for us. He bled for us. He got up from the grave for us. God values us. And if God values his people, then we should value his people. Our view, man, our view, family, of people. And their importance needs to be a shift from a self-centered perspective to a Jesus-centered perspective. We need community. We were designed for it. Distortions. You know, Paul describes in, in this verse, in verse 3, another distortion of our view of people and how that affects how we view and value relationships. He says in, in verse 3, he says, For by the grace given me, I, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. And I'll read it in the NLT. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given you. I'll read it in a message. (laughs) I'm speaking to you out of deep gratitude for all that God has given me, and especially as I have responsibilities in relation to you. Living then as every one of you does in pure grace, it is important that you not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. No, God brings it all to you. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what he does for us and not by what we are and what we do for him. Sometimes I need to read a verse three or four times in four or five different translations so I can really pick up what God is trying to put down. But listen to what Paul is trying to say by the grace given to me. I mean, he is like like all the authority that I have, all of the authority as an apostle, as a leader in your life, 
all of the weight of my ministry, all of the weight of, I, of who I am as a person and how you view me, this is, I'm laying it on the line for you right here. I need you to hear me. And I don't know if Paul is, is screaming at him or if he's sitting down next to him and whispering to them. But he's just like, hey, listen, listen to me. Listen closely. Do you trust me? You may not like this, but remember it's me, and I love you. You're not going to like it, but just hear me out when I say it like this. I know you might think that you're really awesome, but you're really not. (laughs) God has given us a gift, but you're not that gift. Jesus is the gift to the world, not us. And I know all of us that think that we're super self-important, this is not a a very encouraging word. But it's an important one because Paul wants us to have a clear understanding of who we are if we're going to relate well to others in community. How we view ourselves is the driving force behind how we view others, and how we view others determine how we relate to them. Case in point, who here is an iPhone user? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Who here is an Android user? Yeah. So you see how the Android users raise their hands so humbly? You got that? I heard someone raise their hand as an iPhone user. Proudly. I'm a proud Android user. Oh, an iPhone user. I'm a proud one. You know, just like... There's the way the iPhone users look down on the rest of society. The way that they, they view us. We're less than. There's... They're so exclusive. Us Android users are just humble and inclusive of all, and we love everyone. That's, that's just the reality of what it is, but they bully us. And that's, but that's how, they, that's how it is when you, when you have this, this thing and you, you view other people in a certain way. It changes how you view them. It changes how you relate to them. I know that that's, that's kind of a joke, but this is important, family, especially in a society where identity politics are a major weapon of cultural warfare. And we just don't have convictions anymore. We don't have just like moral stances and points that we try to make. But now we have communities of people with the same stance that we have, and we form this identity group. And family, however you choose to identify, whether that's from a a, a racial stance or a political stance or it's a social or moral movement, it ultimately pits you against another and distorts your view of them. And they are no longer human beings being made in the image of God, but they are them, people. They are different. They become less than, maybe even, maybe more than, but ultimately they become our enemies. And And I'm not saying... Let me say it like this. I'm not saying that believing in some moral good or cause 
is, is not a good thing. Like, I believe in fighting for justice. I believe in fighting for righteousness. I am proud to be a black man. Hear me when I say that. But if the said thing is a truth and not the truth, then what are we really talking about? I think we're talking more than just wrong identity. I think we're talking about idolatry. The worship of something other than the one who should be worshiped, and that is God. And you can see how the dysfunction and the distortion happens. Identity worship leads to a distorted view of God, which then distorts our view of ourselves, which then distorts how we view others, which then destroys our relationships. But Jesus came back, family, to restore us to right relationship with him and to others, to redeem relationships and our view of them. How? By becoming the one standard by which we measure ourselves and identify with. I can identify with a lot of things, as much as I want, but nothing supersedes that I am a child of God. I've been purchased by the blood of Christ. I am his. He is mine. I may have super skills and great abilities, but I am nothing without the mercy of God. And that is all of us. His mercy now has become the new measuring stick for who we are. And then you know what that that says? His measuring stick of our self-worth. This is what it's really saying. I need Jesus. You need Jesus. We all need Jesus. There are no more demographic distinctions that we have. There are no more value distinctions that we have. And if there are no more value distinctions that we have, then we should change how we see each other. We no longer just need Jesus, but we need each other. And if we need each other, is it transform how we treat each other? Is it transform how we forgive? Is it transform how we love? Is it transform how we give? Is it transform how merciful we are to others and how gracious we are to others and how we serve others? Because this is what God has done for us through his mercy, even though we don't deserve it. Is it transform, family, our desire for community? You know, as Paul keeps talking in verses Uh, four and five and he says for just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function so in Christ though many form one body each member belongs to all the others we belong to one another and we're members of one body and listen there there are a lot of truths in this passage and you could could probably preach three or four messages for three or four hours kind of talking about all of these things from, from unity to functionality to diversity. But the overwhelming truth that I'm trying to get to today is that belonging to the body is not about the singular you. And although we benefit from belonging to the body, and this message is designed to encourage you to be established in community, by highlighting all the benefits of community. But if it's all about you, then I think I've not preached it right, and I think we would miss the point. Connecting to the body of Christ is about connecting to something bigger than ourselves. It's not the you. 
You now belong to the collective we, to us, the we, the Jesus that is the, the bride and the body of Christ, the we that is built on the rock of Jesus, our eternal king, whereby his church reigns and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That is what this is about. It is about something that's bigger than you and me. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. And the danger is that if it just stays about you, you will miss the real you that you were actually really designed and purposed to be. There's something beautiful, family, that happens when, when we stop making it about me, remove the magnifying glass off of, off of me, and then put the focus on G-O-D, that rhymes, that's good, put the focus on G-O-D that we begin to transform and really begin to step into something more. What's one of the best ways that you can put your focus on God? In the Word, yes. Pray. What I'm talking about today is, is in the same vein. One way that you can put your focus on God is by putting your focus on His bride, on His body, on His church, on His people and community. And I was thinking about this. This is how some of us, this is how some of us think too highly of ourselves and probably make it about the me rather than the we. If I were to ask the question, what body part are you in the body of Christ? If any, if any one of you immediately thought, like, like I, I did when I asked the question, that I'm, I'm somewhere in this region, I'm the eyes, man. I'm the eyes. I have vision. I can see. I'm the ear. I can, I can hear. I'm a really good listener. Um, I, I, can, I can taste and discern things. I can smell things. I'm, I'm the beard because it's glorious, you know. It's, if any of you were thinking like that, like, like me, let me just tell you that you're off <laughs> just a little bit. The head of the body is Jesus. And this is, and this is not meant to diminish your value. It's not meant to, to tell you that you're less than or to insult you. It's actually really encouraging if you think about it. You're part of God's body. You are like intimately connected to Jesus. You are in him. You are with him. You guys are doing things together. This is beautiful. This is powerful. Man, I am, I'm thinking about this like, like how many of you know that it would be much better to be a pinky toe in the body of Christ than the mouth of the devil? Make me the armpit of the victorious and strong, unstoppable, powerful body of Christ that has all authority on earth and in heaven than to be the head of my own body leading myself to nowhere or to hell. Come on, somebody. To be connected to God like this, whereby the mind of Christ and the vision of Christ and the discernment of Christ and his wisdom now gives me real purpose and identity. And now we're walking together. You're walking together with other armpits and other pinky toes. And you're walking together in community with others, finding their purpose and identity. 
serving one another, encouraging one another to, to mature to their full potential in God. That is, that is beautiful because not only does it, it benefit the entire body, but God gets glory. It's beautiful. That should be our, our greatest desire, family. I mean, there's so much more I could say. But let me, let me, let me just close, close here. There's, there's a passage that we're all, all familiar with in 2 Corinthians that, that talks about not being yoked with unbelievers. It's a very familiar passage. I'm pretty sure you all have heard it before. Do not be yoked with, with unbelievers, it says. For what does righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? What does believer have in common with an unbeliever? And that's a, that's a passage that we've heard, and it's, it is meant to encourage us to, to not just walk away uh, or change our view so it's not distorted, but to get rid of distractions so that we can really grow in the community that God has for us. But when I, when I was reading this passage, what really stood out to me was, was not that portion of the verse. It was, it was the verses that, that were before it. Because Paul wasn't just giving them a command to say, don't do this. But hear, hear what Paul is, is saying here in this, in this passage before that in verses 11 through 13. It says, we have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. We've opened wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you. But you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak to you as my children. Open wide your hearts also. See, Paul is not just telling them, hey, don't, don't do this. But he's saying, hey, listen, I've, I've laid everything bare before you. I've given you everything that I am. My heart is open. My heart is yours. And all I want from you is for you to open up your hearts, not, not for me, but for you to get all that God would have for you. Open wide your hearts to me. Open wide your hearts to the community of God. Open wide your hearts so that you can really and fully know how much God loves you, how much God cares for you, how much you're needed in the body. You know, and I love Eugene Peterson in the message version because it, it really opens up things sometimes, and it just says this. It says, Dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell, tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. And we didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can with great affection. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. This one, to me, is like one of the strongest pastoral moments in Scripture. It helps me, teaches me how to shepherd and how to lead as a pastor and as a brother and as a friend. Man, I'm going to give my all to every single one of you. I'm going to love you 
with everything that I have. I'm going to pour out my heart until I have nothing left to give. I'm going to do that because I love you. But that's also been my experience when other people have poured out their life towards me. I have three pastors here on the front row that have poured out their life and heart towards me. I'm here because of how they poured out towards me. And I just don't want your family to miss what God has for you in the body by being distracted by other things. There is nothing greater, there's no greater purpose, there's no greater thing to be than be connected with the community of God. And I know for a fact that some of us have been hurt by the community of God. And that's a reality for even me. But that does not mean that this isn't the best community for you. Open up your hearts to us, to community. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. thank you, God, that you've poured out your heart towards us. You've left nothing bare. Thank you for your love, for your grace, for your mercy, for your faithfulness, for your care, for your freedom that you offer. God, I thank you. You are expansive. You give it all. You gave it all when you came and died for us on the cross. Thank you, God, that we as people can experience that. But also thank you, God, that you, you came and redeemed a community. You came and redeemed a people. And your desire is for us not just to love you, but your commandments are that we would love you and love others. And I just pray, God, that you would help us to, to see community rightly today, to have a fresh and new desire for community. And we would get outside of ourselves, get into you. If there's anybody here this morning that hearing this message and feels like God is calling you out calling you up to him calling out your name saying I, I, I want you in my family I want you to be in my community if that's you this morning would you raise your hand so that we can pray for you We thank you. Pray this prayer, Father. Thank you for your sacrifice for me. Thank you for your, your son, Jesus, who died for me. Please forgive me for rejecting you, rejecting your, your call, your community. 
today I choose to hear you, to hear your voice, to follow you. Thank you. God, we thank you for today. Thank you for everything. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, family.